Hi, and thanks for listening to another audio podcast from Creekside Community Church, Narangba, Queensland. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.creekside.org.au. Well, thank you, Shania and Ali, for leading us in worship this morning. Um, our, our worship band is still uh, having a bit of a break over January, and so the flavor of our music uh, on a Sunday for the next few weeks is going to be just slightly different, uh, a little more acoustic style as those guys uh, get warmed up for the year ahead. Hey, Steve, you know, you've got to get those fingers warmed up for another 50 Sundays or so. But it's so good to be here this morning. Thank you for coming. Again, welcome if you're here for the first time. It's so good that you've chosen on the first Sunday of the year to come to church and to connect with God and His people. Uh, He'll bless you for that. And I hope you feel welcomed and loved here as part of our community here at Creekside Community Church. I, um, I hope you've really had a nice Christmas. Hope you enjoyed the New Year's. I love Christmas. I mean, you know, it's great to get gifts and presents, but one of the things I love about Christmas is the food. I was speaking to someone earlier, I think it might have been Dave, he's like, man, the food is so good at Christmas. I love the food at Christmas. I don't know about you, but it's like, it's like, I don't know, all you do is like you eat and you sleep and eat some more and then you snooze and then you eat some more and then have another sleep. I don't know, and I just sleep, and the food and the leftovers just go on forever, don't they? I mean, I was like eating leftovers last night still. I mean, it's so good, all the food at Christmas time. But uh, anyway, I don't know, my body, about you, but my body doesn't seem to bounce back. Uh, the way it used to, uh, you know, after Christmas dinners. And uh, my advice, if anyone here, if you're over 30, uh, you need to consider maybe eating a little bit more healthy around this time of year. But the good thing is, is that Christmas, summer, the heat, it brings on all the good healthy food, right? All the good healthy fruit. I mean, you can buy a tray of mangoes for, you know, a few bucks and you get the watermelon and cherries and lychees and you can really beef up, you know, step up the health program with all of the seasonal fruit that's around this time of year. But you've got to get it quick because it goes out of season, right? And then you get the kind of gas, uh, you know, uh, ripened sort of stuff and it's got no flavor or sweetness to it and it's out of season, right? So you've got to get into that good fruit while you can. But today I want to speak about a fruit fruit that never goes out of season. And it's not a fruit that you eat, but it's a fruit that everybody ought to enjoy. And it's called the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, there is a guy in the Bible, his name was Paul, and he wrote a lot of the books in the later half of the Bible. And he talked about the Christian life and how we should live our lives. And he talks about this fruit of the Spirit. Not mangoes, it's not pawpaw, it wasn't cherry ripes or things like that, but it was a fruit of the Spirit, and we read about it in Galatians 5, 22. And it says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You see, when you become a Christian, God sends His Holy Spirit who comes and lives within you, indwells in you. And part of what the Holy Spirit does in you is start to transform you, starts to change you from the inside out, little by little, bit by bit. And I've got a long way to go, but little by little, He is changing me and He is developing those characteristics of Jesus within us, these fruits as what Paul talks about within each of us. And so for the month of January, over the next five weeks or so, we're going to be doing this series called The Fruits of Summer, where we're taking a look at the fruits of the Spirit individually as we consider what it means for us in our lives together. Because God has sent His Spirit to produce them in abundance in each of us, no matter what the season. And so today, I'm going to be focusing on joy. 
we've been, you know, we, we talked about love a little bit earlier on last year, and so we're jumping to, to joy because we've been singing joy to the world for the last few weeks, right? So what does that mean for us? What does it look like as God's Spirit works that out in our lives? And I want to read to you from a book in the, in the Old Testament, uh, in the early part of the Bible called Habakkuk. Uh, Habakkuk was a guy, uh, he was a prophet, um, and lived in a time when God's people, uh, Judah, were not doing so good. They, they kind of walked away from God. And Habakkuk writes in chapter 3 of this book, named after himself, in verse 17, it says, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crops fail and the fields produce no food, though the sheep There are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. You know, there was, a, uh, there was a, a gentleman once who had a pet bird. I don't know if you've got any pets at home. This, this guy had a pet bird, kids. And, you know, birds are really noisy, right? But his, this guy had a pet bird that was so cute, your little colors on it, had this cute little beak. And he used to sing all the time in the cage. And one day the gentleman decided to clean the bird cage with the vacuum cleaner, right? So he gets it out of the cupboard and he's cleaning the bottom of the bird cage with a vacuum cleaner. And he sucked up the bird in, in the vacuum cleaner. And he was in such a panic. And so he gets the vacuum cleaner and he, and he tips it out on the ground. And this poor bird dunk, plops onto the ground and it's covered in dust and, and grime and rubbish. And, and he's like, oh, and he picks it up. And so he races it then into the bathroom and he turns on the tap to wash it off, right? Gets all the dust and up. And the poor bird is shivering now. It's really cold. And so then he's like, oh, he gets the hairdryer out. You know, and blows the hairdryer onto the bird, tries to, you know, dry it up, and then he finally puts it back into the cage. And well, a friend called a few days later to see how the recovery was going of his pet bird. And the gentleman said, Well, the bird doesn't sing much anymore, mostly just sits and stares. <laughs> you can imagine. Well, maybe today, as we talk about joy, your immediate reaction is, You know, I don't really have too much to be joyful about. And maybe today you've lost your joy because of the circumstances, because of the the different challenges that you've faced, the different ordeals in your life. And and we all know, you know, 2020 last year was a challenging year. And I know for some of us even here as part of this community, we'd lost friends that were close to us who suddenly passed away. Some of us have had to work through relationship problems and challenges and marriage breaking down. Others have navigated parenting challenges. Some of us have lost jobs, homes, or had deteriorating health. You know, and I wonder if I was to come up to you this morning and if I was to say, hi, Kiri, or, or hi, Rhonda, uh, hi, Matt, H- how are you going? And if I was to say, yeah, are you happy? You know, how are things really doing for you? You might say, well, well, that depends. That really depends. Um, it depends on a lot of things. It might depend on your mood. It might depend on your circumstance. It might depend on, on who you're with. Depend on the situation, uh, what's happening in your life. Because you see, happiness, when we think about happiness, it, it's so elusive. We all want it, but it's so hard to keep it because happiness is based on the situations that happen around you, and we can't control that. We can't control it. You know, I was out 
out on the boat this week uh, with my dad, and we were out on Wednesday. I just, I was so happy. I love being out on the water. Oh, we were just, you know, having a coffee, and we're looking at God's creation, and oh, God is so good. I was so happy until I turned around and went to start the engine of the boat. And it had a flat battery, and my happiness just dissolved. I don't know where it went as I considered how we're going to get home from out in the ocean. Yesterday, my wife was happy until about four o'clock when the washing machine blew up, and her happiness just went, where, where did they go? We can't control happiness. Happiness is entirely circumstantial. If the circumstances is our source of joy, then it's ever-changing, and I cannot guarantee that that feeling will stay. You know, the Bible doesn't often talk about happiness or happy. It only uses that word a few times. But God chooses to use the words rejoice or be joyful over 330 times because that is what he's given us, joy, not happiness. You see, there's a difference here. They each spring from a different source. Happiness comes from the world around us, whereas joy originates directly from the Spirit of the living God. And it is a fruit of the Spirit. It is a gift from God. And I think the prophet Habakkuk here captures this. He captures the real definition of joy. No matter what is happening around him, Habakkuk has chosen to rejoice in the Lord, he says, and be joyful in God my Savior. Despite all the odds, he said, my Lord is my salvation, so it will be well with my soul. It's not that we'll ever not be sad or in sorrow. We, we will. But deep down in our hearts, there is this rested joy that all is well with my soul because the Lord is here, because God is here. You see, joy is the evidence of the presence of God in your life. I've put that statement on the screen. Joy is the evidence of the presence of God in your life. And you can choose to rejoice in the Lord, like Habakkuk, by firstly acknowledging his presence, acknowledging God's presence. The psalmist says, in his presence there is fullness of joy. Joy isn't dependent on what is happening around us. Joy is something that is present because God is in your life. If God is present, then joy is present. It can be present. Bernard Vaughan he says this, The happiness of heart cannot be attained without God. Just like light and sunshine cannot be there without the sun, on every side and every part of the world, men and women are seeking happiness and cannot find it because they do not seek it from God. There is no lasting joy without God. There's only momentary pieces of happiness, feelings of happiness without God. And so we need to acknowledge God's presence in our lives, especially when we are sad, particularly when we're going through difficulties and tragedies and sadness and sorrow. I think of the two disciples on their way to Emmaus after a week when they saw their best friend crucified on a cross. I mean, they were sad. They were broken. The Bible says that they were downcast because of what has taken place, what took place in their life. And yet Jesus, because he had risen from the dead, he had come and walked alongside them, talking with them even, but they didn't recognize him. They were just so broken, so downcast, so sad. 
And so it took some time for Jesus to continue to talk with them, and he began to, to teach them and, and rekindle a hope of what God was doing in that moment. And when they realized who Jesus was, they were filled with joy, and they ran back to Jerusalem. You know, when you're really down, when you're really you know, filled with sorrow in your heart, it's important to remember and to say, like Habakkuk, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, he says. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. He says, God makes my feet like a deer, able to walk difficult ground, able to trod a challenging path. He says, God is the one who enables me. It is all of Him. You see, joy is anchored upon a relationship, not circumstances. And it is anchored in an unshakable and unbreakable relationship with God through Jesus Christ. If the Lord has taken up permanent residence in our heart, then joy can be a permanent feature of our lives. Paul goes on to say, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'm sure you remember maybe that as a Sunday school song, Rejoice in the Lord Always. We can choose to sing. We can choose to praise God despite the difficulties. We don't have to wait until we're out the other side. We don't have to wait until the circumstances, situations change because we can declare in faith that God is here. God is in control and I can trust Him. And we, we get that sense from David who wrote the Psalms and we see that and get that sense in Psalm 23 when David says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I don't have to wait to get out of the valley before I find comfort or strength. I don't have to wait for the fig tree to, to bud. I don't have to wait for there to be grapes on the vine. I don't have to wait for the problems to be resolved, for your lifetime partner to appear, for your financial situation to change. No, God is not just at the end of your problems. He's not at the end of the storm once it all subsides. He's not there once we receive an answer to prayer. No, God is there in and through it all. And we can find comfort, we can find strength, and we can find joy. Because joy doesn't come at the end. It comes in the midst of all the ups and downs of this journey of life that we are on. The reality is that there's always going to be trouble in life. God says, in, in this life, you'll have trouble and it seems like just around the corner you get a straight piece of the road, but then some other drama, something else happens. Someone has said, you know, there's always another mountain to climb. And God wants us to enjoy the journey, not just the destination. I'm sure we'll be happy at the end, but God, he says, man, there is joy even walking through the valley. Secondly, we can rejoice in the Lord always when we adopt his perspective. When we adopt his perspective, the writer of Hebrews a book in the New Testament says this in chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You see, Jesus' joy... It came from realizing that he was reconciling, he was bringing, making peace between sinful humanity that was lost, was going to be eternally lost, separated from God forever. He was, he was 
he found joy in, in, in understanding he was making peace between sinful humanity and a holy God. Did he feel happy when, you know, he was going to face the cross, crucifixion, abandonment by his father, the weight of sin and death? Of course not. He was overwhelmed with sorrow. We, we read that he sweated drops of blood with the, the, the thought of what was lying ahead, what was coming ahead. But even in the sorrow, he knew the joy of doing the Father's will, presenting the world with the forgiveness that we could never earn. The pain of the cross brought Jesus joy because it was pain with purpose. And it's here at the cross where we too can find our source of joy. Not only there do we see God's incredible love for for sinful people like us, for those that have even rejected God, those that have thrown their fist at Him, those that have turned their back against Him. We not only see at the cross His love for people like that, but we also see His absolute dedication to us. For if God would go to the degree of giving up His only Son to come and die for us so that we could have eternal life, and live with him forever in heaven, then how much more would he not look after would he not look after us and be present with us, strengthen us, comfort us, and guide us through this journey in life until we get to him in heaven? Paul puts it like this in um, in Romans eight. He says, "If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things?" That changes the way I look at my troubles. The pain I feel is not the evidence of God's abandonment, but it's a reminder that I'm not yet in heaven. But with Jesus, I'm getting there. And that brings joy. And so our struggles are not just something that is to be endured. We can rejoice because God uses them to change us. He uses them to mold us and refine our faith. And when we have this proper perspective, we can find joy in no matter the situation. You know, Max Licardo, uh, who is a Christian author, he, he writes this story of a gentleman called Robert Reed. I have everything I need for joy, Robert Reed said. His hands were twisted. His feet were useless. He can't bathe himself. He can't feed himself. He can't brush his teeth, comb his hair, or put on his underwear. Strips of Velcro hold his shirts together. His speech drags out like a worn-out cassette. Robert has cerebral palsy. The disease keeps him from driving a car, riding a bike and going for a walk, but it didn't keep him from graduating from high school or attending Abilone Christian University, from which he graduated with a degree in Latin. Using cerebral palsy didn't keep him, having cerebral palsy didn't keep him from from being able to be a teacher at St. Louis Junior College or from venturing overseas on numerous mission trips. And Robert's disease didn't prevent him from becoming a missionary in Portugal. He moved to Lisbon alone in 1972. There he rented a hotel room and began studying Portuguese. He found a restaurant owner who would feed him after the rush hour and a tutor who would instruct him in the language. Then he stationed himself daily in a park where he distributed brochures about Jesus Within six years, he led 70 people to the Lord. One of them became his wife, Rosa. And Max Licardo goes on as he shares this story. He says, I went and I heard Robert speak. 
recently and he said, I watched other men carry him in his wheelchair onto the platform. I watched them lay a Bible on his lap. I watched his stiff fingers force open the pages and I watched people in the audience wipe away tears of admiration from their faces. Robert could have asked for sympathy or pity, but he did just the opposite. He held up his bent hand in the air and boasted, I have everything I need for joy. His shirts are held together by Velcro, but his life is held together by joy because of his relationship with Jesus. That was his source of joy. It wasn't based in his circumstances, but it was a relationship alone with God. You know, friends, as we finish this morning, we're going to have communion together. There are a couple of tables up the front here. Uh, and if you're new to this morning and communion is not something you normally practice, then don't be embarrassed to, to not get involved. But I'm going to invite you in a moment uh, to come and just collect one of these little communion packs. As you take it, I want you to take it back to your seat. And as you tear it open and you take a little wafer, it reminds us of what Jesus has done for us in his giving of his body. And the, the juice that we drink there reminds us of his blood, his life that was shed for us. But as you take that and reflect upon what he's done, I want you to ask yourself this question this morning. Where are you looking for your source of joy? Are you looking at the things around you? Is it dependent on the circumstances? Or is it based upon a relationship with God, an unbreaking, an unchanging, unshakable relationship with God through Jesus Christ? And maybe today you're not a Christian. And as you kick off this year, maybe you've made some new year resolutions, but maybe you're tired of being on that treadmill of trying to find happiness in your life. It keeps eluding you. Maybe it keeps slipping through your fingers. And as you listen to what the world says or what social media says or what the TV says or what you know, uh, the celebrities say about where you can find joy and where you can find happiness and maybe you know, you've tried this and you've tried that and you've drunk this and you've smoked that and you've slept there and you've brought this and you've brought that, but you failed to find happiness. Friends, this morning I want to encourage you to consider where you can find lasting joy in relationship with Jesus. Joy that will last. And maybe today that first step is giving your life to Him, committing your life to Him. Wouldn't that be so good at the beginning of this new year, starting afresh, experiencing a relationship with your Creator that will journey with you no matter what season you face in this life and bring joy to your heart. Let's pray, and then we're going to share communion together. Father God, we thank you for uh, just the, the time to celebrate today. To celebrate how great you are as we consider what you have done for us, Lord. Oh, there's no length that you would go to, to rescue us, to bring us back, even to the point of giving your only son. And so, Father, we thank you that as a result of being a follower of Jesus, we can experience the indwelling Holy Spirit that comes and changes us and is molding us and is developing these fruits within us. And God, I pray today that us as a church community, Lord, that you would bring that increase into our lives, that we would overflow with joy. We'd overflow with love and compassion and goodness and self-control and faithfulness and all of these things, Lord, that others would see you in us today. Father, as we just share communion together again, may it be a, a reflective time just taking stock at this very first Sunday of the year, Lord, of what it truly means to be a follower of Jesus.
as we consider what you've done. Father, may you continue to grow us, change us, and shape us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.